This was literally such a good Q&A. Like, you know, we cover every single topic imaginable when we do these Q&A sessions. But this one, for real, there was like many moments where I was like, ooh, I mean, ooh. So hopefully you'll be going to ooh too. Hi, everybody. Yo, I literally realized that I was at rock bottom, <laughs> needed food at 8.56. And between 8.56 and 9.02, expanding time, I managed to make scrambled eggs, some cauliflower toast, some salami, ate it sitting down and showed my husband something crazy on Instagram. That's pretty, and I wasn't even rushed at all. I'm like literally so proud of myself, but I've noticed now that I wake up at 5 a.m. and we have a coffee maker. We used to do pour over, but now that I have a coffee maker, like, you know, I just drink as much coffee as I want. I don't really, I'm not really clocking it right now, but I've noticed that if I don't have food in between my first cup of coffee at 5 a.m. and my second cup of coffee around nine or 10, I like literally feel like I'm going to die. So, so very proud of myself. I'm proud of myself for multiple reasons. And I, this is a really good time for you guys on Zoom while I'm pulling up the questions to have a nice humble brag about something that you're proud of yourself about. I'm really proud of myself that it's the last day of the ritual today. And I have not complained about it even one time to anybody internally, externally, like zip have had no complaints no whining. I've also been doing like literally not one carbohydrate for the last three weeks. And more importantly than sticking to my diet is that I stick to my diet without complaining about it. So instead of being like, well, I don't get to have bread, which I usually do. I whine so much about it that if I'm not fucking Michelle Pfeiffer and Catwoman after one week, I'm like, call the manager. Um, but with this round, I've been like, really proud of myself because I've just been like, look, I don't get to have bread, but I do get to have fats. I can have as much, I can live without bread, but I cannot under any circumstances live without butter. So I am so, and I've done, I've literally tried all of the things. And so I'm like, because I now know that it's not about what you try. It's just about what you stick to, what you can live with. I can't live without the bread. I can live without the bread, but I can't live without the butter. So I'm like, I don't fucking care how long it takes. I'm going to have gratitude every time I get to drink olive oil, which is like very normal for me, or eat cheese for dinner, which is also very normal for me. I'm just going to have gratitude for all of the things that I get to have, as opposed to like being cranky about the things um, that I don't get to have. So I'm very proud of myself. Um, so let me see. Okay, cool. I hadn't tagged the channel last time, so... All right, let me get my things. So, uh, let me see what you guys are proud of yourself for. I'm proud that I got out of bed when I woke up today instead of laying there having a pity party. Woke up legit scared today, so I had to fill my brain with positive thoughts. Yes, totally. I've been there. I have been there. Um, and good for you. It was really hard for me to get out of bed this morning as well because I wake up at 5.15 and that's just something, you know, like my whole, I, I've been saying that I wanted success. It, I had to, to get the level of success that I wanted, I literally had to burn down one business and then rebuild the whole entire thing from scratch, which took a really long time because my last business wasn't sustainable. 
Um, but I finally built the success and I'm getting the press opportunities that I've wanted, but press opportunities take time. And on this round of ritual, like I had to acknowledge that I was also like really being stingy about my time. I'm like, I want this success and I want these opportunities, but I don't want to work more than two hours a day. Like I just don't. And I've been through the whole thing of like, is this a belief system? Is it? But the thing is, is that like, if I'm having press opportunities to the degree that I am, and I'm building a second business, and I'm writing a book, and I'm not just maintaining, but like actively growing my first business, if I have two press opportunities a day, like I wanted my two hours of work needs to find its way somewhere else. And so I was just really resistant to growing in that way. But if you guys haven't read the book, The Surrender Experiment, it's really so good. It's really so good because the guy worked really, really hard. And his version, not his life path of surrender was not, okay, well, I'm not gonna work and I'm just gonna see what happens. It was like working really hard and he said this thing that is going to, I just know is going to be with me for the rest of my life where he's like, put aside your preferences, recognize what the universe is asking of you and grow. And my preferences of like, I, I just only want to work two hours a day because that was a schedule that I kind of had to stick with when I had small babies that weren't sleeping through the night. Like I could just work at nap time and I had to make it work on those terms. But now neither of my kids are breastfeeding, although my daughter still tries. Um, and they both sleep through the night. So it's like, now I can wake up at 5.15 and I need to do it without complaining about it. And I need to recognize that like, if I'm waking up at 5.15 every single morning and going to bed, like literally phone is off by 9 p.m., my fourth way audio book, which puts me directly to sleep because it's so complicated. Um, this is, this is what it takes. But if I take, I have to also do it on Saturdays and Sundays because I was just taking off, um, those two days so that I could stay up late, like watching Kaka with my husband, but then it would be so hard for me to like get my schedule back. And so I just had to accept like, if my husband and I are going to fuck, we're going to fuck in the morning because I don't fucking feel like it anyways when it's the end of the day. And if we're going to watch Kaka, we'll watch it during the day on the weekends. But I have to just wake up at 515 every day and my life is going to have to rearrange around that. And like, how can I love that? And after literally just, uh, you know, a few days in a row of doing it, I'm so satisfied with because I feel like I get to wake up again and be like, what do I want to do today? Because I have this huge chunk of time that I can do whatever I want with it. And when I'm cutting it really close or I only have two hours in the middle of the day to work, it's it's what do I have to do today? So the boundaries create a lot of freedom for me. And, and a lot of people don't want to use the tools of discipline and boundaries because it sounds to them like it like it's not freedom but discipline gives you the freedom to decide how you will be treated and boundaries give you the freedom to handle whatever it is that you want to handle and I want you guys to really pay attention to this this feeling that comes up for a lot of people like I just can't handle it. I just can't take it anymore I'm just what is what the fuck I can't think about anything else but this thing that I'm thinking about that specific feeling is what it feels like when you don't have boundaries and you can handle the thing it's just going to take a boundary and a boundary isn't a punishment and a boundary isn't restriction it is a tool for creating more freedom in your life and sometimes it just takes experience to be able to see that so
let's go into this. I'm sober and I've been wanting to ask you this for a while. Great. The AA symbol triangle. I don't know the AA symbol, but let me look at, let me just pull this up right now. So I know what you're talking about. AA symbol. Ooh, I'm at, I'm at an episode of Canis right now with it. Okay, cool. So unity service recovery, the triangle. So circles in symbols always mean time. And the triangle is usually pointing at the law of three. Now, AA started with LSD. So, you know, I'm sure they came across some of these hidden teachings. Um, but the three words of service, recovery, unity are in the right places. And yes, it does seem that way because the white magic line is service. This is my intention. Um, I'm going to get sober. Recovery, the black magic line is the fact that it's something that you have to recommit to over and over and over again. And unity is the line of surrender. Now, I don't really know what, sir, I, I, I can definitely affirm that recovery is in the right place. I don't know what their definitions of service and unity would be, but I would definitely, if, if I was mapping this out, I would, I would say that that first triangle line, the white magic line, it would just be like whatever your intention is. And for some people that might be to have a better life, to be more productive, you know, recovery. And some people might say recovery, but recovery has two factors. Recovery has the pleasure and the reward and the pain that you're trying to get away from. So the pain of being an addict, which really is pain, a very high maintenance. Um, that's definitely the black magic side of things and being able to AA is actually really good at that to be able to really discuss the pain of being an addict so that it's not something that seems appealing to you anymore. And then the red magic line, I very much feel has something to do with with maintenance and continuity. I know the AA philosophy is like keep coming back and, you know, recommitment, whatever it is, what I, you know, I'm not a I'm not a 12 stepper simply because asking me to go to a meeting every day. I was like, uh, no. Um, but I, I know that it works for a lot of people. It's intentional magic, right? You know, maybe I've been using the neutral input output in my sobriety just as much as any other tool. Perfect. I felt uncomfortable with the amount of God talk and he and the big book. Yeah, it is Christian oriented. Um, but since studying in the Enneagram, I can also hear that's probably encoded which is why nobody wants to update it. Um, I don't know if it's, you know, if we looked into how was this book received, maybe we could figure it out, but I'm not an expert in the big book, but I do know that, you know, Chris, it's an American thing. It started in America and America is very Christian. So, you know, that's what it is. What really happened in the thirties with it? I don't know. Jung Adler, I'm not sure, but I'm really interested in Jung and I'm really interested in Adler right now as well. I'm grateful for it. I'm just curious. Also slightly impressed and, and amused. Have you crawled this wormhole? I crawled this wormhole to LSD and then decided that the 12-step program wasn't for me. Um, totally get why it's for some people. But my fervent belief is that if you are living in fear of an addict inside of you, like they're, they're, they're like once an addict, always an addict. I don't believe that at all. I don't believe that at all. I believe that when you're ready to change, you can go to sleep one night, an alcoholic, wake up the next day and say, I'm never drinking again and stick to that. And I don't believe, you know, in this, this addict will be released if you, if you let it out. 
But, you know, also my stance on that is kind of changing because with me, like, it's never just one thing, you know, like, and when I crave getting fucked up, like I never crave having a glass of wine. I'm like, let's do two bottles of wine. Let's get some blow. Let's get two rounds of Molly because we're going to save one for first thing in the morning. The next day, if you've never popped Molly first thing in the morning on an empty stomach, it's fabulous. And then let's get some LSD. Let's just keep this party train going. And to me, this still sounds like a very fucking good time. Like I could, if, if I could, the only problem with me though, this is if I could do that and just spend a weekend that way and come back to my house and not want to do it again and again and again, like I totally would. To me, that still seems like an excellent way to spend a weekend. I would literally love to. But the thing is, is that when I like something, I just want to do it every single day. <laughs> um, so for that reason, it's easier for me to just not do anything. But, you know, so maybe, you know, maybe I agree with them that there's an addict inside of me, but I'm not fucking scared of her. I think she's a really, really good time. I just know that she's such a good time that I never want to stop hanging, hanging out with her. I know that she has amazing stories. I know that people feel really comfortable talking to me because of this addict inside of me. I make people feel super comfortable with like, like that thing's like off limits for me. It sounds like a good time. I had a really, really fun time doing every single drug. I especially had a really good time smoking weed. I could not think of, I still could not think of one good reason to stop smoking weed. I literally had to have it forcibly taken away from me by CPS getting called on me and being like, oh shit, I'm in Texas, forgot. Um, and, and just being like, oh, well now I have a good reason to stop smoking. And now I'm stoked because I really love power. I really love money and I really love progress and I really love control. And it's very easy for me to like set and achieve goals at a really rapid pace when I'm not smoking weed. When I smoke weed, I get shiny object syndrome really crazy. And so I end up just start, it's very hard for me to return to the same old project over and over again, which is really required to make something successful. I'm like, let's start a clothing line. Let's start a fragrance company. And the more money I have, the easier it is to do stuff like this. But you can make some really fucking stupid investments. And it's not like I have, I have gate 11 four times in human design. I have a lot of ideas as it is, like getting more ideas than what's naturally allotted to me a lot of times just makes me like very uh, unproductive and very like, <laughs> um, and I'm not like, but me on weed is so excited. Like it's so excited. I'm fucking down for whatever, super pumped, super like, but that's just actually not how I am naturally. That's me on weed, baby. Really good time. That was a hard one for me to quit. Uh, but I would have never stopped drinking alcohol if I didn't have weed. So I'm like, I'm like a fan of all of this stuff. It's just that Anything that I'm doing, I do like 110%. So if I'm drinking coffee, like I'm drinking the fuck out of coffee. I hate moderation. I hate any type of, I, I hate, I hate making a, like a habit out of anything. Like, oh, this is, I hate fucking weed that doesn't come in a Ziploc bag because like this got this much THC and then we drink two gummies and I know exactly. I like mystery highs, mystery pills, dosed drinks. Like, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I love it. Um, but that's, I love it so much that I never want to quit. So that's where I'm at with it. Mm -hmm. 
Hello, will I have access to previously completed courses if I end my subscription? I'll be using some of the wheels work for my future clients. No, it's renting just like anything else. So you save a lot of money. You save a lot of money, $4,700 a year, $4,765 a year when you rent, but it's like renting a house. Like you don't own the house when you're done renting it. Not even for, if you're like, can I have one more month of having this house free? when I'm done paying my rent, it's like, no, like rent is appropriate for that month. But that's one of the reasons, you know, it's not like I'm trying to keep you enrolled for the rest of your life. Um, the affiliate program is a great way to be able to still get education from me without uh, having an active subscription. But that's also why we have homework recaps, everything, you know, you have been exposed to the Enneagram enough at this point to know where it's going to get hard. So just go and copy paste all the homework recaps that are at the end of every single course. And specifically the Wheels Reinvented book next month in March, I'm working all on the Wheels Reinvented book launch and getting the right now you guys have the Wheels Reinvented book in that course. It's it's chapter by chapter and also audiobook. But when I publish it as an actual book, I'm installing a bunch of other short stories that are funny. Um, because I want people to be able to have a laugh in Wheels Reinvented. And there's not a single person that wrote a book about growing up in a cult that points out like how fucking hilarious some of this stuff is. So I really wanted to show you guys uh, more stories from my childhood that weren't exclusively trauma. So I can paint like a complete picture. There was times that were really horrible and there's times that were really beautiful and there were times that were really funny. Um, and I want to, so there'll be a few more short stories incorporated in that. But a book launch takes six months. A book launch takes six months. A regular product launch only takes me, depending on how big I'm going, uh, three weeks to a month to put it together. And then the actual launch goes on for three weeks the way that I do it. I like a really chill pace. I like enough time to kind of reposition myself on social media to the topic that I'm talking about. Um, and that's just the way that I like to do it. But like, I'm literally telling you guys, point the to get from point one to point five of a launch for me, aka fuckless, for me to get from point one to point five of fuckless would take me three months if I hadn't built the lead magnet yet. If I had built built the lead magnet, it would take me maybe six weeks. But just know that the if this is your first time doing fuckless. Our schedule is basically meaningless to you. Go at whatever pace you're getting the work done at. There's no being behind and fuckless. It's just we had to create some kind of date for releasing the products. And I didn't want someone who finished really fast to be waiting to make their bag because they're just going to go and do it without me. So that's why they're and going and doing it without me means that they might launch before they're actually ready to do it. So I have to make sure that the super fast movers have the tools they need to be able to complete the job that they started with me. But the fuckless live schedule is basically meaningless to you. And literally don't come if you haven't finished the homework for lesson one, like literally don't come to lesson two. Like it's just you're you're just going to have to come back and watch the whole thing again. You're a student. You have Q&A like there's not a special bonus for showing up live. I'm not even really talking to the people in the audience anyway. I'm just you know, there might be a few questions here and there, but I make work specifically for online. So that's why we have Q&A chats. That's why we have these moments here. Hey, mommy, relationship advice. I'm going to cut 
when I see a really big share, I have to like cut to where the question mark is to see if it's actually something that I, I can answer. I have, if I took an autism test, that would definitely be me, but I like obsess and dissect every single word of what you're saying. Like I basically exclusively read between the lines. I, if you, if you post a paragraph, um, but there's only like one question in it, I'll dissect it to the end of the world, the world. And the bottom line with relationship advice is that if, if you're not sure if they're the person for you or not, they're probably not the person for you. When you're with your partner, who's like your partner for life, there's like this seatbelt on, like you can fall out of love with them. You can be irritated with them. You can think they're annoying. This is all just the erotic dying, like totally normal. But there's this invisible seatbelt that's like, this is my person. This is my person. There's a, and that's just the bottom line. Whatever it is, we're going to have to figure it out because this is my person. So I'm just going to, I just feel like every time there's a, I'm just cutting to the question here, Madeline. And if you want to, if you want to reframe this so that I get the question better, that's totally fine. I just need help compressing it to a question. And Lafav, you can actually going forward, you can help me out with this during the week. If it's a really big question, just ask them to clarify what the question is so that I can come around. That would be really helpful. Just let me know in the chat if that's cool. Um, uh, I just feel like every time there's an opportunity to move forward, to start building in this new way together in a partnership, I can't, I freak out and I can't meet him where he wants to be met. Like, why? What is this? Is this my own self-sabotage? Is it my intuition saying it's not actually aligned? I'm so used to being self-reliant that anything in partnership feels scary. I'm worried about compromising my freedom, but choosing this could mean more freedom than ever before. Okay. So now I actually have to now I actually have to read the whole thing. Okay. Hey, mommy, relationship advice. It's been reflected to me in my intimate relationship that I've been avoidant, sharing what I don't want and things I'm worried about moving forward with this man. We've been talking about being exclusive after a year of relating. He's not the one. For example, by being in a committed relationship with him means leaving the strip club. Okay, so it's conditional love, which kind of stressed he, he loves you as long as you're not who you've been since you've met him, which kind of stresses me a bit because I'm so used to that quick cash coming in. I'm always, yeah, so basically, okay, cool. Yeah, this is not the right person for you. Now, you should never take anyone else's advice when it comes to matters of the heart, when it comes to matters of the heart. But like, if he was your person, you would know that you wanted to commit to them at the very first moment, it wouldn't be a year of like, hmm, maybe it could work. Maybe he's no, no, the right person is going to be available and they're going to look at you as is and say, yes, not if you leave the strip club. and you're going to do the same thing for them. It's going to be an instant. Yes. It's not going to be. Eh. And if you are a generator or a manifest, if you're a generator or a manifesting generator, you could ask yourself, if you're a manifesting generator, a yes or no question, is this the person for you? Yes, no. If you're a generator, like, you know, 68% of the population, you could ask yourself to make a sound. How do you feel about it? How do you feel about being with this person? Eh, he's good for me eh, is the truth. He's good for you is the lie. Do you want to stop working at the strip club? Eh, eh, is the truth. I think it could give me more financial freedom is the lie. So it's, why do you think this guy's the best it's going to get? 
Why do you think that this guy that only loves you if you change for him, that takes a year to figure out if he wants to fucking commit to you or not, that you're not even sure of, so you're asking somebody else if they think it's the right choice or not? Totally fine. I've been there. But why do you think that someone you're so unsure of is the best it's going to get? Wait for somebody that is a full fuck yes. A full fuck yes. You're just like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. 10 out of 10, as is, no problem. I swore I didn't want to marry a broke guy. And my husband, 100%, seemed like the broke. He was telling me about eating off of other people's plates. He wouldn't wear shoes. He had the most busted car I'd ever seen. Lived in a trailer with pet bees and pet rats and pet cats. And basically had an infestation of all kinds in his fucking trailer, but was like at peace with it. Like... I was like this fucking guy, I'll fuck this guy one time because he's so hot and he's sober and he's interesting and everything that he, he invites me to seems like a full fuck yes. But the second he gives me a reason to say no, like he's out one red flag, I'm out. I have not gotten that red flag from him to this day. And after 24 hours with him, the fucking soul connection, I was like, I don't care if he's broke. Turns out my husband just like did not care about money whatsoever. And he was doing like Sundance and the Red Road, the Native American ritual where it's like, you know, getting paid in tobacco and blankets and stuff just because that's tradition. And I'm not knocking that whatsoever. But, you know, to put it quite bluntly, a lot of these sweat lodges in, in Austin are a bunch of white guys sitting around pretending to be Indian and to pre pretending to be Native American bunch of cowboys wanting to play like the other side and so it was never going to be an exact fit but my husband just had like major aversion to money didn't care about it and as a result was making you know two hundred dollars a week after taxes and was like you know all of his time sold so a pretendian yeah totally and there's not it's not that you can't have these transcendental experiences on the red road. It's not like you can't have these transcendental experiences like I was having extreme transcendental experiences, probably the most meaningful and poignant moments in my exoteric life studying Ifa. And Ifa is Nigerian. I'm definitely not Nigerian, not even a little bit. Hey, Jelena's baby. Hey, Jelena's baby. Hey. Um. But it was, it's never going to be an exact fit for you. It's never going to fit right. And trying to adopt some of these things that are like, make a lot of sense culturally for somebody that's grown up in that, that's epigenetically predisposed to that, where it's their tradition, where it's their, because it, it means continuing or remembering something that's always been true to you, not abandoning something that's been true to you to adopt something that's now right. And, you know, and, and that's just, I, I didn't want to believe that for a long time. And I would get really triggered when people told me like, Yoruba isn't for you, Ifa isn't for you. Because I'd be like, what, you know, and I'm not saying that that it's not for you is 100% true. But yes, it is for me is not 100% true either. The really, really beautiful practices. But, you know, it's like, it's like people that are not really here to be vegetarians because they're Nordic, you know, they're here to eat meat. They're here to eat a lot of meat and like basically no vegetables trying to adopt like a Southern Indian vegetarian, heavily cooked, spiced and sauced 
lifestyle is just not going to make sense for them. Or somebody that is European adopting a raw fruit and veggie diet, like somebody that's living in the Amazonian tropics, like it's not for you. It's never going to feel right. But when you are culturally malnourished and you're abandoning you're like, I want to stop doing things the wrong way. And I want to start doing things the right way. And these people in India have the best ideas I've come across. Therefore, it's the right way. It's never going to completely fit you. So I think it's all, I think it's really interesting to, I was really resistant to this because I was like, what's the deal with 23andMe? What's the agenda with 23andMe? And I have, I had some, conspiracy some favored personal conspiracies about it and now ultimately I don't care whatever happens anywhere on any level I don't mind what happens to me I don't mind what happens in the world I don't get pissed when I don't get my way just like whatever onwards thank you like I, I don't I don't mind um but discovering what your actual like lineage is and you know even if your lineage Christianity came through with the Crusades and robbed a lot of people of their indigenous God and tortured people that were worshiping their indigenous God. The cult of Isis was really far reaching all the way from Africa into Rome, into Europe. It's like very, very far reaching paganism, pantheism, like all of pagan was actually a slur for anybody that wasn't Christian, but like your indigenous God is going to make, everyone's pointing to the same thing, the absolute, but there's different faces of this God that make it easier to understand how these universal macrocosmic principles apply to the microcosm that is you. And when you're connected with your indigenous God, it doesn't have to be your one and only, but certain things will just make sense. For example, my lifelong aversion to being by the book with anything, whether it's Ashtanga, yoga, veganism, AA, Tantra, is because my ancestors were Dri, which a lot of people pronounce Druid, but my ancestors were Dri. They were pagans. They were Irish. They were Celtic. They were in that world. And in that world, there wasn't a textbook. It was site-specific. This is the God of this, this tree. This specific tree has a spirit. This tree on my land has a spirit that speaks to me and I speak to it. This waterfall on my land has a spirit that speaks to me and I speak to it. My tree doesn't speak the same language as your tree, but we recognize that it's all coming from the same vibration. And you pray with your tree however you want. And I'm going to pray with my tree however you want. And you can't teach me how to pray to my tree. The tree has to reveal itself to me by me getting quiet and spending time with it and mimicking nature, mimicking the macrocosm in my personal life, asking myself what nature would do in this situation and, and aligning myself to those cycles. That's the way of the dream. And it's different. Like I don't have, I've never been the type of person to have, you know, shrines to my ancestors. It's just not, it's just not my way. And that's very dree, like they were moving around so they could pray in new places, but they didn't take a lot of stuff with them. And so I felt like I got a very big permission slip, a big permission slip to just be me and, and, and understand that I can have 
such a deep appreciation for all of these other lineages and all of these other teachers and have really big moments in the churches and traditions and and botanicas of all of these different practices but understanding that it's not me looking for the right one that'll fit and make me feel like it's made for me. I can appreciate it without feeling like I have to, what's the word? Appropriate, appropriate it. There's not a conversation about cultural appropriation. It's just a conversation about how good it feels to find something that fits you. Also aware of patterns with relying on men to support me unconsciously. I'll have a, I'll do it all myself attitude, but I can still see where the unconscious slips through and just wants to be saved. So I don't have to, um, I met a lady who's asking this question. I would definitely also do your success pattern. So, you know, relying on men to support me. If you're working at a strip club, you're not relying on men to support you. You're not, and definitely do not frame it that way because you are doing something to control your income. And I have so many people that work in all different aspects of the sex industry that come through my workshops, dominatrixes, OnlyFans stars, actual sex workers, like for real, main job, only hustle, 10 plus years in this industry, dancers. And what motivates people more than anything else, what says more about someone than anything else, more than their star sign, more than their human design, more than anything else is their kink. And when you understand the relationship between the conscious and subconscious kink, as well as where the unconscious kink lives and how to access that, you are holding the reins of the strongest motivators that humanity has the strongest motivators that humanity has more so than this is that sex is the vibration of the universe. Like when we talk about white, I'm sorry, white, black, and red magic on the Enneagram, the whole Enneagram together is gold magic. The whole Enneagram is sex magic. All of the universe is sex. And that's why the, and you can learn more about this in Mesoteric. It's either the first or the second lesson. Lefebvre can probably tell us here. Lefebvre can tell us here. Um, about the duplicating principle, but the universe is constantly making love to and rebirthing itself over and over. So that's why it is constantly expanding and constantly growing. Now, when you understand what's that sex is not a physical act, it's really about real sex, sex magic, the what makes people do the things that they do. It's not about the physical act of sex. It's about the spiritual principle of desire, which is a spirit, spiritual principle. And people that work in the sex industry have a greater comprehension of this than people that don't because they naturally have a reduction in morals, which is, or not even naturally, a learned reduction in morals, which is the most spiritual thing that you can adopt. You want to be more amoral, less likely to yuck somebody else's yum because it contradicts with the God you were colonized into believing hates you. So there you have actually such a good understanding of what motivates the world. And when you recognize that and you tap that, the options for income are literally endless. The thing is, is that the, the sex center is also the home of shame. And when we're feeling shame, a lot of times we want to be defensive and we become defensive over it. I'm not ashamed of myself. This is great. I'm so empowered. I've never been more empowered in my life. 
And it's also the home of addiction and addiction is having pain and pleasure confused. So when something that used to be pleasurable for you, AKA maybe working at a strip club, it started off pleasurable. Now it's annoying and painful, but you cannot accept that it's become painful. You start to defend it loudly, outwardly more and more. You can't recognize because you're in an active addiction. You are unable to recognize that what once has been pleasure is now painful for you and you're becoming defensive over your addiction to the pain. And this is just something that comes with that chakra. So being able to recognize, look, I want to have 700 to $1,200 nights. I feel like I'm worthy of making this much money in a very short amount of time. Dancing has showed me that this is what my standards are. Now, how do I want to make this? What do I love? What have I learned? What do I know that nobody else knows? How is this valuable for other people? 70% of married women would trade in their husband for the only reason that they want to have different sex with someone. And then these women are sitting around talking about why they're so unhappy with their partners. And it's like, have you fucking looked in the mirror lately? And the same, the same goes in the opposite direction. Men saying, oh, my wife is terrible in bed. Honey, if you think she's terrible in bed, I guarantee you she's not enjoying the process either. There, You have to take responsibility for your own side of the street. But it is very easy to lose your erotic self, especially when you get married, especially when you have kids and helping people, people get very triggered when you point out to them like, yo, I wouldn't fuck you either. Sorry, you know, things have changed, things have changed, you've changed, and it's okay to change, but you can definitely change again. But don't sit there doing nothing pointing at everybody else in the world and saying they're the problem, not me. No, honey, you are 50% of the problem in every situation that you find yourself in. If you are in a situation with somebody, you are 50% of the problem. If someone's jealous of you on the internet and it's not getting to you whatsoever, then that's 100% their problem. But if it's getting to you, it's 50% your problem. So you have to be willing to take responsibility for your side of a situation that is causing you drama and say, what do I need to do to change this? And it's not going to be some, it, it can be overnight, but you're going to have to recommit to it fresh every single morning. You're going to have to stick to your diet plan for the rest of your life. You're going to have to stick to your business plan for the rest of your life. You're going to have to learn new ways to communicate. You're going to have to, when the new sex gets old, pursue a new sexual frontier. Recognize when something that used to be pleasurable, oh, I love being in this relationship because I don't have to try, turns into pain. Wow. I don't feel challenged or curious about anything in my life anymore. I refuse to be addicted to this pain cycle. I'm going to change it. I'm going to upgrade my life. I'm going to go higher. I'm going to stop defending my position, admit that I want to change and change. I'm going to bring in the discipline. I'm going to bring in the boundaries. I'm going to make my life however I want it. But if you've mastered the art of sexy, the amount of people that wish they could get their sexy back and don't know how, like to just put it in the coarsest, most basic terms, well, you know this and this demographic doesn't know that. So how can you teach them that for money? It's like not that complicated. Money is the easiest thing to make. 
It's the easiest thing to make. The reason why people make it so hard is one, they don't know how to return to the same boring thing over and over again because they have shiny object syndrome. And two, you're just refusing to get clear about the terms on which you actually want to be successful so that you can plug that data into the Google of your mind. I want to make this amount of money. I want to do it just while my kids are nursing at nap time. Show me how to do it. I'm going to keep asking this fucking question until an answer comes. I'm going to put this on my money altar until the answer comes. It's really easy once you take responsibility. But when you're in the world of what if and constantly changing your mind about what it is that you're going to follow through on and swinging back and forth between knowing that you hate the conditions of your life and defending them like... It very easy after that. It's really not that complicated at all. Having some trouble with understanding how to identify how my phone died. Shit, do I have my other phone up here? I'm gonna have to go and I'm gonna have to go in over here. If somebody has a question that they want to drop in the chat while I figure out how to find this, or you know what? Maybe we'll do a hot seat. Does anybody just want to take themselves off of mute for a second? We'll just talk for Go ahead, because I'm not looking at the Zoom. Just literally take yourself off of mute and say, hey, if you want to, if you want to talk. If not, we'll just continue on here. Hey, love you. Hey. Miss you. Hi. Glad that you're Hi. glad. <laughs> this is uh, Little. Hi, um, baby. Hey, how you doing? I, tell me. Okay, good. tell me. I, I don't have to have any more leg surgeries. I don't oh have God. to. I'm walking. I well, am <laughs> like doing the things uh, so, so what's going on with money tell me oh we don't we're 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 focus, refocusing back it from the uh the ritual or waking wealth mindset um and uh i'm <clears throat> really honing in on the moon circles that i kind of fell off of last year so that those can be the uh the launch <laughs> kind of material the group free stuff that's the focus this year what's the most consistent pe what's the most consistent issue that people bring to the moon circles what do you feel like you're what what question or what dilemma do you feel like people are stuck in the most stuckness just stuckness in general yeah does that mirror your own stuckness god bless yeah that's the that's what the program is that is getting developed with all that's right baby that's oh someone came prepared <laughs> someone came prepared perfect okay perfect so how can i support you in getting this product out there what do you need from me um i'm just gonna keep applying myself in the homework chat and stuff that's all i just wanted to say hi Oh, honey, um, in the auto, I'm sure you've, I'm sure you've seen this and done this, but I'm in, and I'm having, what's her face. I'm having Janae put it in the business resources, but if you go to auto erotic wealth, you go to the wealth six resources, there is the one about the core developing your method. It's a short, yeah. yeah. As long as you follow that one, the workshop is done. And sometimes like, I'll just share my screen with you and I'll show you what I'm doing here with a uh, fuck list right now. So you can, and you know, what's fun is that I I'm going to walk everybody through, uh, let me do this. I'm going to walk everybody through this sky ting yoga is amazing. By the way, I'm really, I did my teacher training with this lady. Um, but let me show you over here. So on fuck list, this is my fuck list curriculum doc. And I will usually keep this at large 
for about a month of me just kind of filling out the different components, because as I realize that there's more things I want to teach, some of the pieces get moved around. So for example, um, I'll use this one as an example down here for lesson 2.1, we have the core offer. Now, originally I thought that I would put the core offer in, you know, which is what we're talking about here or that same, it, it'll even probably just be that resources brought resource brought over there. Originally, I was going to put that at point three because I was like, ah, that feels like it would make sense because that's when they really need to like step into their role as a teacher. But then as I started, you know, really looking at everything that I had learned in the past year and deciding where I wanted to um, like all of the different things that I wanted to teach that moved from that moved actually from point three and I had put it in point zero, like let's definitely start with the core offer. Um, but then I realized that we shouldn't really map out the offer until, and this, you know, it would sit in one of these spaces for a few days while I'm just thinking about it, you know, I'm not, I'm not committed yet. And once I actually get up there and start teaching live and see different dimensions that want to come in, I might realize, you know what, a really good place for this is going to be over here. So I'm pretty like flexible with, with stuff. But now I've put the core offer at point one, which I think is really appropriate because once you have the customer offer, the SEO, this will probably, I'll probably do core offer one in in point one and then do like a core offer two and point two where you can just kind of really finalize it and then the product itself won't be totally finalized until point four um but i feel like now i feel pretty good about putting it in at point one because we always do the line of supervision at point one anyways it goes together with some of these other components like tracking your seo the core offer um, and I think I actually moved the levels of consciousness. I think I actually moved the levels of consciousness down to four as well. Let me just double check this here while I'm here. No. And I moved, I moved levels of consciousness up to point one. Oh my God. Hang on. Edit. Undo. I just deleted. Ah, I accidentally just deleted the whole thing. Okay. I'm out of here. I'm not fucking playing in here anymore. Um, but I moved Oh my God. That literally happened to me when I wrote the fuck list book, 120 fucking pages of the fuck list book and hit fucking control all delete. Like the whole thing went, went away. I was literally shitting myself. I woke my husband up. It was five o'clock in the morning. I was crying. All of my work, I've been writing this for the past, I was crying, like literally crying. And then I don't know how, you know, how I got it back is that I had another, um, no, you know what I did? I just control beat it. Like I had hit, cause I didn't know what happened. Like it had just deleted and I went, I was like, oh, maybe I have this window open somewhere else. You know, maybe I have a different Chrome tab open. It'll be open over there. I went to look at it and it had auto deleted off of there. I was literally crying. Like my daughter says, I'm crying tears. I asked her, Wiley, are you okay? She goes, I'm crying tears. <laughs> of course I'm not okay. Um, but I didn't know what happened. Like it had just disappeared, but I guess I had like deleted the whole thing. And so I, I, I was able to control V and get the whole thing back. Of course, when my husband who I've dragged out of bed and just like my daughter who would be crying tears and you're like, okay, well, do you want this thing that you want? It's like, I, 
I think I do. And that was literally me when I realized my manuscript was there, like instant. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. But now I like always back up my manuscripts, except for I better go back up, make, hang on, make a copy of this uh, fuckless curriculum. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, but that once you have, and that's the beautiful thing about the Enneagram. And I'm able to speak to this because I have so much experience with it. When people are new to it, sometimes they don't really like trust that it's going to work. But once you've filled out all of the different components of the Enneagram, like you're good to go. It's complete. But once you start teaching it, especially if you're teaching the first round live, you're going to realize as you start talking that there's other things that you want to add in. So you just go and look at the map and be like, where would this match up really nicely? And it's okay for it. It's okay for it to move around. And if you don't have it like any problems in the construction of it will be immediately apparent before you get to point three, which is long enough to be able to change it. You won't be able to go past point just naturally unless you cover these certain bases. Like, for example, if you started teaching the workshop and one of the tools people needed to know was identifying what platform they were going to use, which would, would be at point two, but we forgot to add that at point two. By the time you get to the point three lecture, where you're about to tell people to start blowing up things on social media, and you realize that some people don't even have social media yet, and you're like, what, <laughs> like, where where were you planning on doing this? Um, but it's totally fine because you can still tell them right then and right there. Okay, so let's go make our accounts right now, and it won't be it won't be too late. If something doesn't make sense, it'll be apparent by point three, and that's really and that's really nice to be able to rely on. But I just have a dot going, and when I'm teaching workshop, we taught when we taught fuckless for the first time, I was like, okay, I'm going to teach magic how to do marketing. And it was just a lot more complicated than he's going to be in the classroom for this one. So I'll be teaching just by myself, but he'll be in the classroom learning this with you guys because he wants to be a music producer. And I say, go for it, baby. Just do it in your free time. Wake up early and let's make it happen. But when I'm teaching too, I just pull, I just work off the dock as well. And it's just really easy for me to be able to plan that lecture because I'm just like, okay, cool. This point, this point, this point. And we're done, but the fuckless curriculum looks so, I'm so excited. We're covering product development, ads, marketing, human design, client funnels, levels of consciousness, active, passive, neutral income, all the customer avatar, SEO, content planning, using SEO, evergreen funnels, like really the intention behind this round is like, look, it might be a little bit challenging for you to see all of the steps that are involved in like a really good launch, but you're going to be able to use this launch over and over again. And from the very beginning, um, if you wanted to, there's a way that you could make it that this launch could be running 24, seven, 365 without your personal in this energy within it at all. And that's really cool because after a lot of launching, a lot of times you can find out that you only make money if you're actively launching and then you can't separate your business from the business. You can't separate your energy from the business energy. You can't scale. You can't walk away. It just becomes like its own thing. So I'm really stoked to, to bring this conversation. Oh, Nami, I'm embarrassed to be on here. Well, don't be. Aoife, please. Embarrassed to be on here? Following you for so long. Haven't moved up. You just had a baby. 
had huge success in my career. Yeah, but you were acting, you know, like you have a baby right now. It's kind of hard to do that. Energy and ambition and rock feeling I had in my 20s and 30s in relation to my career has waned. Yeah, it's because you had a baby. The erotic, like, hello, your maiden died the fucking moment that you were born as a mother. And now it's like, uh, you know, you're trying to bring that maiden back to life. But the maiden's used to having a lot of time. And the mother has like basically no time. It's like literally watching a piece of you wither off and die. And nobody fucking cares about it or asks you how you feel about it. It's like the hardest thing in the world. It's like the hardest thing in the world. I totally under, I totally understand. And like the goal is to be able to keep the maiden alive and the mother alive simultaneously. But you've been butting your head on the same issue. And that's you've been auditioning for really top tier projects in the acting world for the last 20 years. And you never get the part. I understand. I get big theater roles and have had huge success. But when it comes to TV and film, I haven't been able to land the role. Um, you know who I'm going to I'm going to type this lady because I'm for anybody that is uh, for anybody that's an actor. This woman, Whitney Euland, she's really cool. She has a podcast called How to Be Famous. She just rebranded. It used to be like, uh, you know, abundant, aligned artists, you know, but she is really good. And she and she's really like targeting, you know, if you want to be famous, she's the person for you. She talks a lot about celebrity energy. But what I think is really interesting about her is that she has been, you know, she was in like the same predicament, auditioning like crazy, talent agent, talent agent, really like famous one, but told her like, oh, you know, you just don't have the energy, you know, you just don't have the it girl energy. And she was like, okay, well, I need to discover what the it girl energy is and, and make it happen. She's probably going to be way more famous as a coach than she ever was as an actress, but I love that she didn't compromise one for the other. And she's getting what it is that she wanted while still keeping her feet in both areas. So she's on tick. She's really um, happening on TikTok. That's where I've seen her stuff. I asked her to be on the podcast and we're like negotiating when that could happen, but she's super, super talented. She speaks directly. You know, she knows, I don't know the world of Hollywood so well at all. I, the outsider looking in, um, and I hate LA. So, <laughs> so, but she's very versed in all of that. And she really talks, but she's so good at mindset. She's a really, she's very direct. Her work is really, I'm a big fan of her work, big fan of her work. Now that's where she can help you. Where I can help you is this is an erotic issue. This is an erotic issue. Now, the first thing that you want to do is do a painkiller on your maiden. Do a painkiller and address it to yourself on who you were before in your in your maidenhood. So your maidenhood is not, you know, from childhood on. It's from when you first started being recognized as a woman, like, you know, first getting it, first coming, getting your period, stuff like that. Um but I would definitely start with that. And then I would look into, I, I don't think it needs to be erotic wealth with your partner, even though I know you guys have a really good partnership and I'm sure you would be down for it. If you want to add, it's, if you want to add erotic wealth 
to your safe house subscription. It's an extra thousand dollars. You get it for a year. But if you just buy it, like erotic wealth will take you a while. So if you, you know, if you want to have not too much work on your plate, you just want to do a course for 10 months, one lesson every two weeks, rebuilding the erotic and using sex magic to jump into your next level. Erotic wealth is for you and you get lifetime access when you buy it a la carte. It's 2,500 bucks, but you get lifetime access. Um, you would just be renting it if you added it onto your safe house subscription. But that's that's where I can help you. But specifically with the acting, with the auditions in that world, I I'm a really big fan. I'm a really big fan of this lady's work, like for real. But having a baby is a big deal. Like it's a big deal. How can the happiest day of your life, the birth of your child, also be the saddest day of your life, the death of who you've been up until that point? And it's crazy because you go from being the pregnante with everybody be like, oh, are you okay? Like, how are you feeling? Here, sit down, have this warm drink. To literally overnight, they don't fucking care about you anymore. It's all about the baby. It's like all about the baby. And you're all about the baby. And there's so many, it's like, you're just from one moment to the next in this totally different world. And even just sectioning off, like, even if you're, even if your partner is like amazing and it's like, all right, baby, two days a week, I'm booking you massage, hair, nail appointments, like go take care of yourself the external, nothing can solve the internal of you being on the massage table worried about your baby. Like it's a whole fucking, it's a whole thing. And learning how to live, learning how to keep the maiden alive while living fully in your motherhood, learning how to take, not get given, but learning how to take time for yourself. And this is really impossible when the babies is not impossible, but it's really hard when the babies are super small, when they're not sleeping through the night, when you can't wake up early without literally dying the whole day long. But this is a moment in time. And they say, oh, it goes by so fast. I remember every fucking minute of that fucking going by so fast in my life. I remember every minute for it. I was there every single minute. In this stage of new baby, a lot of things are not going to seem like they're moving as fast as you want them to, but trust that they're still getting done. And if it wasn't for my kids literally roadblocking me from being able to just sign on clients and take all of these jobs all over the place, I would have never scaled my business. I would never have learned about passive income. And I had to sit there for two years getting calls from my former coaches about like how fucking great they're doing with like all of you know, they're like in huge home staff and what they're charging now for one-on-one -on -one coaching and me feeling like I'm not growing at all. But by the time my son was two years old and I had been focusing on other things for two years, I was getting calls from these same coaches being like, please, can I work with you? Please, can you show me how to, how you did it? And I'm like, yeah, it's going to cost you as much as I paid you. And they're like, Ugh. I said, okay, luck. <laughs> no more free work for you. Okay, let's rip through these questions because we have the last, keep going to my dead ass phone um, because I have uh, I have to do the last Kriya today. Okay, I'm gonna do this as fast as I can. Um, difficulty understanding how to identify active, passive and neutral in my own life. I'm up to law of three in School of Unified Spiritual Laws and still confused about it. So active is when... I can follow this along with some of your examples, but when I try and apply it on my own, I'm completely lost. So here's what I want you to do. 
I want you to, first of all, ask yourself morning routine questions. What do I want to do today? And please take advantage of me asking these questions to do it for yourself. What do I want to do today? Today, what I want to do is I want to be all done with work. I say this every Friday. And then I forget that I have to check homework after q and I'll be here fucking talking to you guys forever. And then I'm like, fuck, I forgot I have to go check homework at, in autoerotic. Um, but what I want to do is be done with work after the Korean, be able to spend a lot of time with my kids doing like outdoor stuff. That's what I want. Um, feel free to dump yours in the comments. You guys, if I could only get one thing done today, it would be to wrap up this Q and a and this Korea do a great job of that and check the homework <laughs> and how, and then the last question is how can God bless you today? And God can bless me. God can bless me with just feeling like I wake up early on the weekends now as well. And sometimes I'm like holding myself back from working like, no, like you have to take the weekends off. But I'm just like, I love, I feel so happy on days that I work. So God can show me really clearly. And I'm literally already being showed this in the form of a poem that I'm remembering while a Rainer Maria Rilke poem that I'm remembering while I'm saying this, but Rainer Maria Rilke says like, let what I do flow from me like a river, no forcing and no holding back the way that it is with children. And in the morning, I'm definitely not forcing the work, but I, I don't want to hold it back either. So I'm going to trust that whatever I feel like doing at five o'clock in the morning on the weekends, even if it's working, is going to be a step in the right direction. So when you have these three priorities set down, what you want to do, what you need to do, and what you would like to be shown, I want you to map out your day. I want you to map out the rest of your day, anything else that needs to be done just today. Do you need to go to the grocery store? Are you going to clean? Do you have a call that you have to do? Is a new series, is a new episode of your favorite series, True Detective, available for you to watch? What are all the other things that you want to do in this day? And now I want you to categorize it. Which, one, which ones of these tasks are active? So when am I outputting? So right now, when I'm here talking to you, I'm inactive. I'm talking. Which one of these projects are passive? When am I inputting? So if I'm listening to the Tannis podcast later, which is so fucking crazy, you guys, so crazy. And I'm so stoked that I get to listen to like the fucking craziest show ever on what I have one AirPod and my husband has the other AirPod and we listen to it together while the kids are like, like running around love, but that's going to be my input. And then asking yourself when is neutral, which, ta which tasks are neutral when mentally nothing is going out and mentally nothing is going in. So for me, this will be all of the, I, I think that if I finish my work on time, I could expect to spend the rest of my day in neutral. And that would be tutto bene. So identify which tasks, mental input, mental output, mentally neutral. You can be physically moving around your house cleaning and be totally mentally neutral, painting, you're neutral upstairs. And it's different for, it's different for everybody. Um, but that's how you can start to break down. And if you see that it's super imbalanced, that you don't have any neutral tasks, like then, then let's bring that into integrity. Now, it doesn't have to be I spent 30 minutes in active, I spent 30 minutes in passive, and I have to spend 30 minutes in neutral. We're working with Kairos time here. We're working with the true nature of time, which is also flow. So I had active moments 
I had passive moments and I had neutral moments. Cool. All right. Next question. Back to, I need to like sit on my phone. So I stopped <laughs> looking. Okay. Understanding how the Enneagram is a plan and experience. I get that the plan is the one, four, two, eight, five, seven questions is using the Enneagram to make an execution plan. But then there's the experience of the Enneagram, which is the feelings that you should be feeling as you experience. For example, our anxiety dump is a response to the totally normal feeling at point eight. Um, so my question is, along with the questions, what are the emotions that I should be feeling at each one of these points? And what are the tools to use to respond to these feelings? The only, I love this Capricorn question. So 142857 is the planning that we just do. That's what we do at point one, the 142857. The actual experience of it is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And we actually include zero as well. Zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Now, there is no way that you should, however your feeling is how you should be feeling. Your feelings are here to be felt. <laughs> My Capricorn queen is, what? What do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> your feelings are here to be felt. So there, if you're feeling a certain way, it's not that you should not be feeling that way. Oh, you shouldn't feel sad about this. You shouldn't feel frustrated about this. Like you feel this way because you're, you're supposed to be feeling this way and it's okay to feel any way that you're supposed to feel. So there's not specific feelings. Like you're not supposed to be feeling successful here and never be feeling bad here. But typically the three points that you're going to feel where things Things are very, very hard is going to be point three. It's going to be point six and it's going to be point eight. It's going to be point eight. Now, the reason why I'm going to say this fast, but it's in the Enneagram book. The reason why it's point eight and not nine, where it's just like an equal structure is because things get difficult at the notes me and um, in between me and fa and C and do. So do, re, me. Fa, so, la, wait, where, oh, these are do, sorry. Do, re, mi. Now I'm, now I'm getting confused because I'm seeing things backwards. Mi and fa and si and do. So this is, oh yeah, do, re, mi, fa. So in between me and fa is point three where it gets hard. Ooh, I got confused there. <laughs> mi, fa, so, la, si, and then back to do. Do, do, do. Now, the reason why, so C is up here. Now, every time we go off octave, it creates a new octave. Now, if we, if the Enneagram didn't have side octaves going on in it, then it would just be that things get hard here and that things get hard here. But the thing is, is that every time we're at a triangle point, it sets a new octave into motion. So this one is now going do, re, mi, fa. So your first octave is experiencing the mi fa shock here. Your second octave that began here is experiencing the mi fa shock here, mi fa. Now, and then it'll actually happen again over here, but to complete one circle of the Enneagram, you only need to know about this one and this one, this one. And like everybody, you know, it's like we fractal out in the Enneagram. This is why I tell people, don't really worry about, don't do the Enneagram workshop until the last one, because we'll experience this together with me telling you things are going to get hard. And then you're like, oh my God, things are getting hard. And it's, and it's okay. And then when we put it within the context of the Enneagram at the end, it's like much easier to just get it. Um, but 
And I have a lot of experience with this, but that's why this part isn't, that's why we include this point of it being really difficult. In addition to just the standard single octave, mi fa shock here and si do shock here. And you actually see this on the piano because this is where the black keys are missing. You have the three keys and then the space that's where a shock is needed and then the two keys and then a space and that's where the shock is needed um so that's where things get hard point three point six and point eight and again however you're going to feel in those moments is totally fine and totally appropriate but when you know why things are getting hard you're like oh there's something i can do about this there's something that i need to learn here let me double down on my spiritual practice and make it work I'm thinking of going into mesoteric after ritual. I love it. I still want to do wheels, but I don't feel like I need to focus on healing childhood trauma at the moment. I'm sure I could do that again later in the year. But what is mesoterica like? Mesoterica is an such a good workshop, but an objective awakening from the esoteric, from the exoteric into the mesoteric. And so it's quite challenging. My ideal pace, my ideal pace for just about all of my workshops, except for the ritual um, and wheels, you can do one every one every week. But for mesoterica, for autoerotic, for fuckless, even um, one lesson every two weeks and then really sit with the homework like the homework for mesoterica is super small. It's like one thing, like don't lie for 40 days. And if you really work it, you'll be like, oh my fucking God, like what? I did fuckless and mesoterica simultaneously last year. And it was a really interesting moment at point six, like very interesting um, where I'm like, am I being authentic or do I, do I need to release my most authentic self into the world? Like fuckless is saying to do at point six, or is it time for the imitation of Christ? Like we do in mesoterica. And the answer is that it's like a both and thing, like be your most authentic self, recognize that some of these behaviors that, you know, you want to overcome. It's not just, you know, maybe that's not your authentic self, the defensiveness or the sarcasm. Maybe that's not really you. And so doing these two simultaneously was like a really, was like a really cool moment. Mesoterica is fucking sick though it's fucking sick and when we get to point seven on mesoterica there's an objective awakening exercise where you literally go out of the lower centers and feel what it's like to walk into the enlightened centers for the first time and what it looks like and feels like up there very very cool and then after that every time you say i am uh you feel like you you feel it in a very big way very cool i've awakened to duality and I'm now able to see the opposite of something and hold contrast. So I agree that there's no right or wrong, but I want to ask you, I think there's only one thing we can be sure of one compass we have. Um, Lefebvre, this would also be a good one to be like, what's the question? I'm, um, isn't that, uh, but I want to ask you, I think there's only one thing we can be sure of one compass we have that love is good for us and hate is bad for us. Love will make us proper and hate will make us perish. Isn't that the only thing that we feel in our hearts to remain true. Um, so actually the truth to this is not, we, there's the, because love and hate are opposites. 
you know, love and hate are opposites and they create an equal and opposite reaction. So for example, in politics, love is also weaponized the same way that hate is like people didn't hate the Jews. They loved Hitler. Hitler was so charismatic. And, and when you work with a lot of people, you'll notice that the people that come in loving you, like, oh my God, I'm going to tag her in like every single story that I issue. You're so amazing. You're a goddess. You're my teacher. Happy Guru Purnima. Like these are always the people that leave hating you, that leave hating you. And you start to really recognize when people come in humbly, but also with like a mission to accomplish. Like they just come in very happy that you can teach me at this moment in my life. Here's what I want to accomplish. Let's go forward. They come in calm. And when it's time to leave, they leave calm. This is because love and hate are the opposite swings. So what we're looking for, because love and hate is, you know, it's spiritual terms of saying like, like, and dislike. I really love that. I really hate that. Now love is ultimately, and love is the source vibration of the universe. Love in its purest form is total acceptance. Now sex magic cannot like real sex magic, balancing the masculine and the feminine and the energy of love is being the God. And you can use that power to create whatever it is that you want. But acceptance, I feel like is because love, love, a lot of things we call love, and a lot of things we've been told are love or like not love. I believe that the highest form of love is acceptance, being completely accepting of who you are and how you are being completely accepting of how other people are and who they are being accepting of what the world is and how the world is without wanting to change it, without wanting to change it. And this is a different expression of love than the charismatic cult leader. This is a different kind of love than the charismatic politician that everybody loves and wants to pretend that they're not pressing that red button that kills millions and millions of people. So that's what I, that's what I want to look at because love is the opposite of hate is the duality game. Love is compassion is the peak of the triangle. Why is it so hard for me to save money? If I want something that requires money, I can make it happen. I've effortly made an extra 3k a month to pay for fun things I want, but I cannot seem to save anything. I think that maybe there's fear behind saving because I would know I would have to use it for something that's not fun. Is this a fear of responsibility or worthiness? I don't personally think so. What is it that you want to save money for? Do you want to save money? Here's if you if you want to I think the simplest reason to save money is to be able to take time is to to associate that money with time. Like how long could I stop work for and not have to worry about my bills? So like how much is all of it? I want you to, if it's important to you to have savings, a lot of entrepreneurs in the first stages of entrepreneurship have fucking no savings at all. Like, you know, and savings are not something that you have to have. But for me, I like having savings because I just like knowing that if I wanted to take six months off of work, I could. And I, I like to me, that's a lot of freedom. But also I'm constantly deploying money that's in my savings because I know I'll just stack it up again. Like, for example, we have 35,000 in home savings, 35,000 35, in business savings. But if I wanted to spend a Hey. 
my husband gets my my magic barn voice. Uh, tell me if you guys got that sugar reference, please. Um, I could sing you that entire song, but I won't. But I did forget what I was just talking about. Uh, what was the question? <laughs> what was the question? Uh, no, it's not by a system of a down, but close. Um, oh, but for me, so 35,000 in home savings, 35,000 in business savings. But if I de decided that I wanted to deploy, you know, $20,000 of that on ads, like I just do it. I just do it because that's what it's for. That's what it's for. But also like scrimpings are not savings. So if you're like, you know, let me shave off a little bit of my savings naturally occur when you're making more income. So I never expect to have savings accrue by reducing my expenses. I only expect savings to accrue when I've increased my income, period. Hi, Mommy Fridays are my favorite days. You have four businesses, so I would definitely agree with that. Mondays are my favorite days. I'm not sure how many questions I'm allowed to ask. As long as there are questions, ask as many as you want. I just got a progress natal chart. Some of the things I'm manifesting don't show up in the reading. Do you think I can create things even if they don't show as possibilities? Also had a reader tell me my teenager could die. What an asshole. What the fuck could die in a progress chart point? It was a few years ago, but it scared the shit out of me. I know you said we're not supposed to heal our family members, but can we help our help our kids? She was struggling with addiction but I'm scared she's going to relapse. I would definitely. Okay. So first of all, first of all, they were already wrong. They were already wrong, period. You decide what you want out of life. I would immediately stop going to at least this natal chart reader. And I have gotten a lot of fucking, like I, I'm able to, I'll just give you the most recent example of this. There was a tarot card reader that I worked with forever, that I worked with like literally forever. And I know that tarot cards are a little bit different than a natal chart, but this was an extremely good reader. Unfortunately, he is has renounced all of his tarot cards. He got very political regarding Israel and Palestine on the Israel side. Not that there's a correct side to be on, but he got quite irate. And the the political to uh, return to Jesus pipeline is like quite real. But there's also a liberal pipeline on it as well. So don't think that that side is immune to it. That hate, hatred for the other side is never going to get you anywhere. Um, but I asked him if we should buy a house, this house that we were living in, because it seemed like it was the best he was going to get. And had the, his tarot readings, which were like pretty spot on a lot of times, were like, if you don't do this, you'll regret it forever. You know, cards say this. And I immediately knew that it wasn't the house for me. I'm like, I don't want to live there, period. So I was just able to reject what it was that he said. But I would immediately, I would like write down all of the things that they've told you are true and and just look at those and be like, are these things that I'm willing to believe? Have believing these things helped me? You can even bring in the work of Byron Katie on for that, Um which I super recommend, just get her app where the four questions are always the same. And we do it in uh, the Manipura Chakra. Is it true? We add some trauma-based questions into it, but is it true? Can I absolutely know that it's true? Who am I with this thought? Who am I without this thought? Now turn the thought around. Like, epic, epic.
epic work. It keeps giving those four questions just keep fucking giving, but I would no. it does not seem, does it, if it doesn't feel good, it's not true. If it feels bad, it's not true. That's your body rejecting a lie, like food poisoning. Be like, uh, uh-uh, uh, spit this fucking hairball out right now. And the thing is, is that the fear of her relapsing, yeah. And I, I understand. Like when my when my boyfriend died of an of a heroin overdose, I was like absolutely convinced that I manifested it because I thought, you know, they're like worry is praying for the worst case scenario. But I couldn't help but be worried about somebody that was in active addiction. But something that I know now about addiction that I didn't know then is that I would have literally just treated them as if they weren't addicted to something. Like I wouldn't have given them special permissions or extra hall passes, but I wouldn't have been strict or putting them on a short leash or treating them in a way that's different than I would treat somebody that was normal. And I wouldn't use their, I wouldn't delude myself into believing that their addiction that was happening to them was somehow blocking my life. Now I know you're always going to be worried about your baby, but if there is a problem with your baby, there will be a problem. I literally had to tell myself this in the last three months of my partner's life. And the truth is, is that he, that was his first time using again when he died. Sorry if this is triggering for you, but you know, whatever, it's not shit you haven't thought about before. Um, but I was like, if there's a, um, if there's a problem, there's going to be a problem. There's going to be missing money. There's going to be lies. There's going to be him, you know, going quiet. There's going to be things missing. There's going to be all of that. But if there is not a problem, I'm not going to go digging through his pockets, looking for a problem. I'm not going to go fucking checking his phone to find out if there's a problem, because then that's the problem. That's I'm looking for a problem that's not there. So even though it was for the last three months of his life, I was so happy that I was able to see him clearly and not just see him as an addict. And even though, you know, ultimately he died and there's so many things that I wish I could have done differently. I'm so happy that I got to have those really beautiful last three months with him. And also like during those last three months, I stopped wanting to do yoga, but because I stopped doing yoga, I was able to spend all of this time in the mornings with him. Whereas I usually would have been gone and then just gone straight to work afterwards. So I got to spend a lot of really beautiful time with him learning all about heroin basically and learning about what it's like to be an addict. So how the reader scared me. That's fucking black magic. That is straight up black magic. I fucking hate that shit. You should never go and see that stupid fucking astrologer again. For real. For real. That is straight up black magic. Knowing that there is fucking some, that somebody is going to take this thought and not be able to get it out of their head ever for the rest of their fucking life and putting it there anyway. Fuck you. What amazing things have they said was going to like, fuck you. You should never do that. What assholes. What assholes. And you know what? I don't really like the white magic all that much either. People being like, you're going to be famous in one year because then I feel like I've missed it when it doesn't happen. I had a psychic tell me that I was going to meet my soulmate very soon. And every single douchebag that crossed my path the next year, I was like, do I have to settle for you because you're my soulmate and I don't want to miss you? Fucking bullshit. Pisses me off. What a dick. What a dick. I'm going to read some comments. I'm going to read some comments. Does anybody have someone tell someone talk some shit about this natal chart telling them their kid's going to fucking die? What an asshole. Oh, that pisses me off so much. All right. Okay. I'm calm. I'm mellow now. All right. So I think I only have one more question here and then I have to do autoerotic. 
Hey, mommy, been loving your HD info. I had a question about conscious Jupiter at gate 49. And if you could t give your perspective on what this looks like as a block and success. So I'm going to say, and Lefebvre, this is going to be uh, like kind of the stock response for all of the human design ones is like, same as you, I'm just looking it up on the internet. Like, even if it's a gate that I have, I probably won't remember. There's 64 gates. I'm probably not going to remember what this is like at all. And the thing is, is that there's all different readers, you know, all different people out there. But literally what I do is I just type in gate 49 human design. And then I go and I read, and if I'm not, and I read what it says about the pause, I just scroll down to where it talks about the positive side of it and the negative side of it. That's literally it. If I don't find what I'm looking for there, then I'll go and like read more blogs on it. But I'm doing the same thing as you're doing. It's not like I like get it better than you. I'm just, I, I, I love to research. So research it because I, I, I literally don't know. Mark, you want to say hi? I know you're new. Such a handsome guy. Welcome to school week. <laughs> How are you doing today, honey? While I'm looking up these other things, how's it going? Uh, hi, I'm doing good. I was yeah. taking this all in. Um, yeah, it's been great. I just accepting I got a lot to learn and cool with where I'm at. Um, exactly. That's exactly the moment though. Like, I don't know. Did you feel, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know where you were at before you came to here, but I remember when I was first exposed to like a whole realm of higher teachings, I was just so stoked to hear something different than like manifesting. I was just like, so stoked to hear that it's like something different. <laughs> Absolutely. It, it is. It's pretty much what I've been like searching for, like hoping, I guess almost try to manifest it. Like, and it, and it's here and it's like, yeah. So I'm just trying to like take it all in and, go with the flow. Super cool. And you do tattoos? I do. Yep. Awesome. I just have, oh my God, I just came across the coolest thing ever. I actually, I'm doing, I stopped doing one-on-one. -on -one, um, but now people reach out to me for one-on-one -on -one all the time. I used to just have like a stock fee that, that it was like 15 grand for two sessions. But now I I'm just being really picky about what projects I want to take on. But I just heard from I just got a message from this guy with like a ton of followers doing really cool stuff. And he's like, I really need one on one mentorship. But he's like, I want to make tattoo artists billions of dollars. And I'm like, I want that exact same thing. So I'm like, whatever it is, like 10% of your monthly income for one session, 100%, I will be there because this is just something that I'm so passionate about. But literally like right after collecting his payment, this guy, I put it on my stories, but this guy, I because I'd seen a lot of tattoo artists do merch and I'd seen a lot of tattoo artists do like prints and stuff like that, which is all things that I think is useful. But this tattoo artist popped up on my feed and he's doing fine art ceramics. So he makes pottery and then paints it um, in just blue and white, like the old school porcelain, but he makes them, um, he's in Copenhagen. And I have never seen a tattoo artist do, cause like tattoos are expensive and they should be. And there's a lot of people that want tattoos, but don't want it on their body, but they want that same aesthetic and they want it to hurt them a little bit financially. They want it to be a super expensive bespoke embroidery on a jacket that they can wear like a tattoo or a super expensive bespoke piece of pottery because they want to make that investment. They just don't want to make that investment like on their body. And this is the first time I'm sure there's 
there's others out there, but this is the first time that I've seen a tattoo artist go really high with the product and keeping it like compared to this, like this is on the same price point as tattoos and not like, okay, three grand for this tattoo, $30 for this print because the divide was too big. It makes me so excited to see this. And I have like, so many tattoo artist friends, so many tattoo people in my in my world, but you can't help people that don't actually want it. So whenever this opportunity to be able to like, yeah, let's make my tattoo money, I'm yeah. I'm super stoked. So it, nice to meet you. Looking forward to any questions that you might have. Thanks for being here on Q and A. I love the I love Q and A because you're just exposed to a lot of different topics. And okay, let me do this really fast. Hey, mommy, I'm wondering what mine and Magic's connection theme is, and if I could talk a bit about it. Now, I'm not sure what a connection theme is, like maybe in human design, um, but I, I don't know. But what I do know is that when we discuss like the love languages, like what's our love language, our love language is like actually humor, which I think might only be a facet of quality time. And, but our like love language is like fucking busting each other's balls and making stupid jokes. And I actually really did lol at this text message that he sent me the other day because I thought it was like the funniest thing that he had ever said to me. I will read it ver verbatim. Thanks mama. You did a great job with the seeds and I'm glad you got your hands dirty. Show me the setup you want for the lights and I'll get them mounted tomorrow. And I hope that that's not the only thing I'm mounting tomorrow. <laughs> to be like, boom. That, I thought that that was so funny. I, I, I texted him back a very bland LOL, but I thought that it was so, I thought that it was so funny. There's my other phone when I need it. Um, but I, our love language is definitely just humor, breaking each other's balls. Like, uh, so that's what I think our ultimate connection is. We laugh a lot. <laughs> we laugh a lot. Question that may be too broad to answer fully in the human in the Q and A. Wondering if human design can be used to help heal addiction and what role human design plays in this. I am not really, I am not really sure. I'm sure that there's an answer for this, but the right person to ask this question would be somebody that's like really an expert on human design. The only thing I could talk about is in regards to food addiction is that if you're, if you are eating in a way that's not aligned for you, you're going to have an obsessive mind around food. And so if you go to the human design playlist on, on my Instagram, you guys can see it about there. Um, but looking for the satisfied feeling when I smoke weed at night or drink, reach for a drink during the week. Yeah. You know, I, I get it. I don't know personally the connection between, between looking for the feeling of satisfaction. Uh, but if, if satisfaction is what you're chasing and you're realizing that it's not ha happening when you're smoking or drinking, then you need to clearly define like what result it is that you're looking for. For me, it's usually something in the financial or having a specific really big project that I just want to be done. Like, I just want to be done writing this book. Or I just want to be done teaching this workshop. Like that's to me, that's worth putting everything else on hold for. 
Do I need to put my questions both here and in the main Q and A? I will for now. So autoerotic, the, the reason why we have a specific Q and A for autoerotic is because this is the first time that it's running. And so I wanted to make sure that we took in all of the questions for it. It's the same with homework checks, but after August of this month, after the first year of autoerotic and erotic wealth being out, we won't have homework checks and Q and A available for anybody that's bought it a la carte. So you can put them wherever, but if it's autoerotic related, totally, you know, feel free to keep it here in this world. And as we launch the workshops out one by one, you'll see the, the new fuckless room go live and the fuckless chat and safe house exclusives go bye-bye. And by the end of this year, we should have that safe house exclusives reduced down to just Q and A and a couple other channels. It's just that, you know, this is an option we have this year that we didn't have before. Um, were you able to listen to Prosperous Coach or did you read it physically? Definitely physically. And this was, and I read that in 2016. Super good book. Um, if I read it physically, that would be doing that homework before moving on in this process. No, just do it. Just do it alongside. How much different is coach is coaching, consulting, teaching? The reason why I recommend Prosperous Coach is it makes you realize that you're ready to, that you're ready to coach and teach like right now. So that that's why it's not a must read, but really good if you're just getting started. Hi, Onami. I have a, and you know what else, Mark, do you just nod, but do you like it when people talk to you at, when you're giving them tattoos or would you prefer them to be quiet? Raise your hand if you want it quiet and make a fist if you want them talking. Oh, you do want them talking. Okay, cool. I know so many different artists that want people not to talk. And then I'm like, then put a fucking movie on, like, put a movie on and put a podcast on so that we're not talking to you. Uh, because, you know, a lot of times it's hard to just sit in, in silence when I'm getting tattooed, which I don't do very often, but when I'm getting tattooed, I like to listen to super like complicated business lectures. I did like seven hours of a, of a marketing funnels workshop that I had to pause and like digest every five minutes trying to see if it was working. Um, hey, mommy, I have kind of a vaguely defined question about my emotional health, the terror. Uh, I and this thing getting in the weeds a bit. I know I'm not asking a super direct question. Okay. So I'm going to ask you to clarify the question for me. Um, just because a vaguely, uh, I'm just going to break, break down the part of this that I can see. If it's a vaguely defined question, I, I can't really help you with it because articulating the question is really going to help you figure out what it is that you want when it comes to emotional health, you know, does it feel good? Then keep doing it. Does it feel bad? Don't do it simple. Um, and then at the end of this, it says it's getting in the weeds a bit. Okay. So I can't get in the weeds right now, but I really want to answer this question as soon as you clarify it. Um, and then I'll just go to this follow-up here. I felt a huge amount of self-hatred. Um, oh, okay. Well, hang on. Cause I got to do this now. I have to, okay. Blah, 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 blah. I have a vaguely defined question about my emotional health. I went through a whole bunch of shit in January, early February. And while I'm usually okay about processing emotions, the constant state of it all allowed them to build up. And while I could intellectually understand that I could learn and grow from this in wonderful ways, I feel emotions really intensely and felt emotionally hopeless and honestly suicidal. I understand. I'm hopefully through the thick of it now, but I was wondering if you had any thoughts about how to stay grounded when those things happen. It's funny, the second it passes, I can see the purpose in it all. But while it's happening, even with the baseline into intellectual knowledge that it's all going to be okay. I feel complete despair that consumes me entirely. 
And I wonder why I need constant reassurance to feel okay. This is getting in the weeds a bit. And I know I'm not asking a super direct question, but I hugely appreciate any thoughts that you have. I also felt a huge amount of self hatred that really concerned me, especially since it usually isn't there. Hey, Lefebvre, let's just, oh, let's just update her response to what I'm giving her right now and not me telling her to clarify the question. Um, huge amount of self-hatred that really concerned me, especially since it usually isn't there consciously. So when, so what this is, is grief, it's grief. So the first thing that I'm always going to have you do when it comes to grief, is to go and do a painkiller on what it is. Do the painkiller meditation. It's super easy to, it wasn't so easy to pause it on the YouTube video. So I put it on the podcast so that you'll be able to, to listen to that easily as well. Mommyonami.com forward slash painkiller. You also have it in the workshop section. Easy peasy. Now, when you are feeling suicidal, and suicidal, this is a feeling that a lot of, look, I could either say, I'm never going to talk to people when they're talking about suicide. I'm never going to, I'm going to tell them you need to go call 1-800-DON'T-KILL-MYSELF, you know, right away and talk to a professional there because I'm scared of dealing with it. Like everybody else, I'm not scared of dealing with it. I'm not, I know what it's like to be suicidal. I've tried to kill myself four times. And when I put it behind me for the last and final time, I decided it was no longer an option. Decide suicide homicide, deicide, all these have the same root word side. And what that means is to cut away. So when you decide that you are not doing something anymore, you are cutting away every other little option that this, maybe I could kill myself. You're cutting all those options away. It's no longer an option. You've decided there's no long, it's no longer an option. And it actually, if you look at my video on YouTube, how I overcame existential depression without therapy, sweet story. Um, but that's actually how, how I was able to put it behind me. And spoiler alert, it was a really good psychic that showed me a vision for my life that I couldn't see for myself. So I am, I understand. And I can't save anybody. I can't give anybody the will to live. But just because I can't save anybody doesn't mean I don't want to help everybody that I possibly can that's going, that's going through this. So and I came across this technique recently, and I've used it a few times, and I really like the results that it that it has. Um, first things first, do that painkiller. Next things next, I want you to try to help somebody else every day for 14 days because you matter and you have something that the world needs. And no matter how dark and miserable it is, you know what it is that you need and what you're not getting. And you can really provide that to other people as well. Now, if for some reason it is not physically possible for you to help anyone else with anything, I just want you to write down how you would like to help somebody else. If you could help somebody else, how would you like to help them? And even just writing it down is going to have the same effect. What I would like for you is to just come back and update me. It doesn't have to be a question. I'd like you to put it in the homework recap, but I want you to come back around and I want you to update me how this homework went. To recap for you, you're doing a painkiller on whatever it is that you're really feeling the emotion strongly about right now. If it's the breakup, if it's moving homes, if it's losing your faith, if it's a health issue, whatever it is, I want you to do a painkiller on that. The next part of that homework is that every day 
for 14 days, I want you to either help somebody else or write down a way that you would like to help somebody else. And then the last part of this homework is I want you to tell me what is it that you need to see more of in order to feel like your life is where you want it? Do you need to see more beauty? Do you need to have more relaxation? Do you need to have more fun? Relaxation, beauty, fun, whatever it is for you, whatever comes up when I ask you, what do you need to be satisfied and happy with what you see in your life? Pick three things. And I want you to also turn in for me, because I, I, I wanna see if your levels are normal or not. I want you to make a tally mark for every time you've seen what's in this category. So if you were looking for relaxation, I want a tally mark of how many times you experienced relaxation in the last two weeks. And I'm going to come and look for this in the homework chat. So we recapped, you're doing one painkiller. That's the first thing you're going to do. You're either going to help somebody else. Or you're going to think about a way and write it down that you would like to help somebody else over the next 14 days. And then finally, what are the three things that you feel like you need to see to have life where it is that you want it to be? and make tally marks over the next 14 days of how frequently you saw or did not see these things. That's it. That's your only homework. Every storm cloud runs out of rain. Every storm cloud runs out of rain. Now I'm not discounting or minimizing at all what it feels like to be stuck in a rainstorm that seems to be just over your head and you can't see outside of it. You can't do anything, but I know what that's like, but I'm telling you time heals all wounds. Cool. All right, you guys, that's a wrap for Q and I'll see you in 20 minutes for the last Kriya. Love you guys so much. Thank you so much for being here. I'll see you. You could kiss your little face, Uni. I could kiss your little face. Hey, tell me, tell me in the chat really quick, Uni, what's your social media now? Uni and I have known each other for years, for years. What are you working on, Uni? What workshop are you doing right now, Uni? How's that baby? Betty's not a fucking baby anymore. Betty's enormous. Elijah. I love him. Um, I love him. Let me just look in the chat really fast. If she's a, I love Uni. We've known each other for so long. This just, we've been we've been in the thick of it. Uh, okay, Uni. Well, I will look, I will look for you later, but send me a DM on Instagram. I'll look out for it. I want to see what you're up to nowadays. I want to see what yours handle is and let me know what workshop you're working on. Okay. Love you guys so much. Have a wonderful day. Bye.